Death Leopard's the guy with the drummer who lost his arm, right? Lost his arm. Yeah. Yeah. So they made a modified drum kit. They're definitely going to open up for night five of Mixed Up! Uh... Confusion. Jesus Christ. Confusion. Was I supposed to say it? No, I forgot. To say <laughs> I always forget. Just mixed Up feels good, and then saying Confusion's tough. Man, and it's a killing me. There's just too many people And they're all too hard to please Alright Kelly, welcome to the final night, night five The is best this Friday night? night? It'll probably start on a Wednesday, so this is probably <laughs> Sunday Yeah, maybe Probably Saturday, you want to end on a Saturday So it's Saturday night, baby, somewhere It's Saturday night somewhere in the world, maybe if you're in the right time zones and stuff, you know, and it's not too late in the week, then it's definitely a Saturday somewhere. Oh, Kelly, we're here today to witness the final episode of Band Month, where the band is going to come out and they're going to regale us. How do we end a month where we've listened to their entire discography? Not by listening to the last thing they ever did, because I'm just going to say it. Not only do I not think it's as good as what we're going to listen to. But it's also garbage, as we talked about. Jericho, Jubilation, High on the Hog. Never forget your nightmares, Kelly. So instead of The Last Waltz, we are doing 1972's Rock of Ages. Before we get into the the show, we're just mingling, we're having a drink. Kelly, how'd you feel about what we're about to witness? It's a, it's a great live album. I mean, I don't know. It, it's Most of the songs feel better than the studio versions only in that there's a vibrancy to them mm-hmm. like a, a weird a lively feeling because it's mm. being played live um they were able to like hem in some of the craziness just because it's actual people playing and they got people who played their instruments well like all the horns to play their instruments versus True. people who are kind of fumbling a little bit trying to see what they could do. Not that they're not all great musicians, and I Garth does the best he fucking can. But he can't play everything, even exactly. live. Exactly, like, yeah. So, how do you do that? So when you have top-tier musicians who are like, I'm the best tromboner in the fucking world. Like, I'm the best tenor sax in the world. Not that they are the best. You know what I mean, though? Yes. When people who really have honed their craft are playing with you, so they can improvise, they can do those things. There's a little embellishments and flourishes. Yeah. I think it really stands out. It makes a difference. Yeah. Elevates the material. Yeah. yeah. So these songs, just to get into the album itself. So this was recorded from December 28th to December 31st, 1971. Um, which, if you don't know, December 31st is the end of the year. What? So they were playing on New Year's Eve. And into New Year's Day, probably. You know, how that all works. Uh, Bob Dylan showed up on New Year's Eve uh, to play a couple songs with the band. That's nice. I went through like a Rolling Stone when I paint my masterpiece. This Wheel's on Fire, I believe. Who knows? Uh, you can actually listen to all four. 2013, they released uh, the Live at the Academy of Music 1971, so you can hear every night. So Rock of Ages, I always thought was a full live album. Live albums were not really a thing, apparently. So Rolling Stone, when they first reviewed this in 1972, I went back and read it. Um, the author said, quote, live albums, what's a dead one? Uh, do not always work in the electric in electric music because of the complexity of the setup and the usual necessity for precise control of sound but this album even on first hearing 
and it gets better the more you listen to it, immediately joins the ranks of such celebrated in-person recordings as Mingus at Monterey, Count Basie in Sweden, Duke Ellington's Seattle concert, Miles at the Blackhawk, and Ray Charles in Atlanta. So, and he does note right after that, oh, did you not notice? Everyone's a jazz musician. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of interesting to live in a world where it's hard to capture live sound. And I think the sound still sounds incredible today. Um, if I were making a live album, I would want it to sound like this because it doesn't feel like it's from a soundboard. It feels raw. It feels good. Um, this peaked at number six in the Billboard Top 200 and is a certified gold album. And I would recommend, honestly, listening to all of the Academy of Music because because this is not a, a, a full live album, it's fun to listen to an actual live recordings like of the whole night. Mm. This one is not. And I think some of the choices they make are kind of bizarre. But it, but it never, it never takes you out of it in the way some live albums are just like, here's a live version of the song, and here's a live version somewhere else. The Bob Dylan live albums do that completely. They're just different versions from different parts of the tour, and it feels disjointed and it feels bad, and they're bad. <laughs> this at least goes to great lengths, even with something like Genetic Method into uh, uh, Chest Fever, which is perfect. Which is perfect. They're from three nights apart. So it's kind of nuts that they would even decide to do that. But then when you listen to the Academy of Music, the full uh, box set, you kind of understand why they chose, probably for time, because this was also unique at the time for hitting the CD limit. It's 79.55, so it's five seconds to spare on a CD length. So there's a lot of interesting things here, and it was released as a double album, of course. And, And again, this is all new stuff at the time. So Kelly... Let's get into the night. So we're just going to run through. We're not going to go super deep, mainly because we've already done this. But I do want to acknowledge what you said earlier about the greatest musicians playing with what I've contended this whole time as being a top-tier band uh, in general. So we get an introduction on this album. Which is nice. I love that they shout out the horn players. Absolutely. Who are these horn players? Who are they? First, before we get into who they are, Kelly, we need to know who arranged these horn players the great Alan Toussaint That's so right. we've been talking about him for two days now and our boy comes back he comes back big Robbie Robertson on the horn hey Alan get down here I need 11 tracks here you go write up the music baby let's do this Alan Toussaint sitting down wherever he does his work boom got 11 tracks sets him on the table flies to New York arrives in New York holy shit I forgot to bring the charts what I don't, I don't have any music to play. No problem, Robbie Robertson says. Let's head up to Woodstock and chill. In that night, writes all the charts for br- brand new charts for all the songs. Oh my god! And then they, and then they go and they, and they do it. So that's amazing that you could just, on a whim, do it again. Um, in the introduction, he, um, I don't actually know who it is. It might be Helm or Manuel. I don't know who's actually introducing them, but he does introduce them. He introduced Howard Johnson on the tuba. He plays the euphonium, yeah. baritone sax. Uh, Howard Johnson played with, uh, apparently he's like a legend. He played with uh, Ray Charles, uh, Gerard Wilson, Miles Davis, Gil Evans. Uh, we have Joe Farrell on the English horn, as opposed to another kind of the horn. French horn? <clears throat> the French horn, yeah. yeah. So he's on the English <laughs> horn, uh, the soprano sax, and the tenor sax. He's played with Elvin Jones and, 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 Char- and Mingus as well. Uh, Earl McIntyre is your tromboner. He's only 17 years old. No shit. Snooky Young, my boy Snooky Young, playing trumpet and the flugelhorn from Rolling Stone. Quote, 
unquestionably one of the greatest lead trumpet players in the history of jazz and a veteran of the big bands from Jimmy Lunsfield, Count Basie, Lionel Hampton, and Benny Carter. And then you got J.D. Perrin, who's on the alto sax and the E-flat clarinet. He's from St. Louis, and he's been in New York City for two days, and he was picked to play the show. Damn. I just see this as Garth taking a night off, and he's like, hell yeah. <laughs> we, can, we can do oh, the sound. We does can not do... take the night off. Oh, <laughs> baby, he does not. <laughs> So let's, we're going to, I think we're going to dive a little more into the, the, the songs that we've not covered before. So immediately from there, and like, I'm real stoked and I like learning about those guys makes me even more admirable of what they do because it's absolutely incredible. So the, the second track on this or the first track, if you will, the first actual song is Don't Do It. It's a song we have not listened to yet in Van Night. I sacrifice to make it happen. Vocals. This was from the December 29th song. Um, sorry, the December 29th show. I love this song. Yeah, it's great. I like that it's not a one-to-one cover. Like this should have been on Moondog Daydream. Oh, <laughs> because it's bet like it's it's an actual straight-up cover. Like it's yeah. I don't know. It, it's so you're having flashbacks in that moment of just like Moondog Matinee. You're like, oh, I'm so mad. Yeah, why wasn't this on there? Because this is like a, a funk version of it and they did something to change it instead of the other ones that are just one-to-one. So And this was a single was. for... And know. coming in with that bass. I was like, we're setting a tone and the tone is the bass. <laughs> Thanks, Danko. Get it, boy. Yeah. Uh, I think he does an amazing job. I think they all absolutely kill it. Yeah, and of course, if you don't know, it's Marvin Gaye. It's on our playlist. You can go listen to uh, that recording from 1964. This has been recorded a million times. Uh, and it's written by, by Holland Dozer and Holland. That's Lamont, Brian, and Eddie. They helped define Motown in the 60s. So this was just one of their, you know, it's sort of the Lennon-McCartney of Motown. So uh, so it's you're in good hands right there off the bat, which is kind of awesome. You go from that straight into King Harvest to Surely Come. We've made the case here, one of the best songs by the band. Mm-hmm. That's from their New Year's Eve show on December 31st. This song is perfect. This song is just perfect. It's got the more horns, wobble in the guitar is great. Yeah. The horns, uh, like the perfect accentuation by the horns mm-hmm. for all of the parts in that song are just incredible. And the end, you know, um, we love that end where he kind of solos out. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's raucous. You know, the horns are sort of joining in as well. And this was the moment where I like was really happy that I chose not to do the last waltz because I don't think the last waltz has these moments like. They're having they're having fun. They're at the height of their their at their the peak of their powers, if you will. Especially as a band together, the last waltz is fun because it play. You get to play with Bob Dylan. You get to play with Joni Mitchell. You get to play with Neil Young. All these people come and basically you just swap out a band member and put in someone else. And it's like I'm not here for that. I'm here for the band, baby. So this one was a, a moment where I was like, Richard Manuel is incredible. This is a moment in time that we're not going to get back, and I love this. I thought you meant the end where somebody very clearly and loudly screams, Great Divide! <laughs> There's a lot of moments of that, too, which I love. 
and I'm sure listening to the whole live at the Academy of Music, piecing together those moments because they are they don't make any sense once you know it's not a real live album. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of fun that there might be yelling for something that ended up not being played that night, but right. that is on this. It's kind of a, a time fuck for sure. Um, so King Harvest is perfect. I don't know about better than the original, but like yeah, it's really yeah, good. good. And the horns are are very prominent. I think one version that is better than the original is Caldona Mission, which is the next track after that. That's from the December thirtieth show. I think those horns make it a better. That's yeah, Banco singing too. I mean, I think all of these, with the exception of a couple, but just because the mixing's tough, because the vocals get washed out in some of the songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think as a whole, like I said, the the vibrancy is just th- those horns. Yeah, just, yeah. The horns are what's crazy, and, and the horns aren't on every track, and I think sometimes they're detrimentally not there. Yeah, like why aren't they there? Mm-hmm. Well, Alan Toussaint can only do so much. One new song that we heard. Uh, which is not new if you've been listening to the band for a long time, is called Get Up Jake. Yeah, that was new to me. Yeah, that was from uh, the band Sessions from the 1969 album. Um, and it's actually Manuel singing it there, and it's Helm singing it live. But they kind of duel it on that one. Um, and it was a B-side to, I forget what song, from the band. Um, so you can listen to that on Spotify. It's on our playlist as well. But that was cool. I like the song. I wish yeah. it was actually on the album proper. And I think I like the recorded version better on that one because it seemed a little more lively. Like it was a little kind of just feels like Rock and Chair and... Uh, you know, uh, look out, Cleveland. Kind of like interchangeable. Which one are we picking? They probably were just like, well, we, have we get too many of these. Yeah. We get to pick two, and Jake does not get to get up. So, no. goodbye, <laughs> and then uh, going back to your 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 night three trauma, we get we have two songs from that in a row: the W.S. Walcott Medicine Show mm-hmm. and Stage Right. I thought W.S. Walcott was pretty much the same. Just because of how raucous the horns are already in that song. Got a cheer. Garth got a cheer. Or someone did for that sax. Mm. Going nuts. I mean, it's, which is great. And then um, the, what was the next one? Stage Fright. Uh, stage Fright. Yeah. I thought Stage Fright was a lot better. Um, yeah, I thought it was the, more The horrible. organ's way more intense, which is great. Because that's what uh, Garth is there for. To go fucking crazy. He is. And so on W.S. Walcott, it is Garth doing the tenor sax. Because from Rolling Stone, they say, quote, the horn players were cheering him on quoting Robbie Robertson, blowing uh, with one fist in the air. It was a deserved tribute because apprehensive as he was to be performing with such celebrated jasmine, Garth Hudson really dug in and blew himself a solo. <laughs> That's fun. I also really like the idea of Garth. Like, I mean, clearly he plays all this music. He probably loves jazz. Like, It must be a trip, I mean, to be able to play yeah. with such great. And Alan Tucson is a legend. It's Even at that time, it's like, Fucking crazy. Must must have been a trip. So, I mean, we'll get Robbie Robinson saying later how great of a trip it was, but I'll save that for a moment. So then we move into kind of the best moments of this, uh, where we kind of dig back into the old stuff. We get the night they drove old Dixie down right into Across the Great Divide. I mentioned on night two that they would often play the two. Um, they're inverted on the album, but they swap them uh, hmm. here, which is kind of strange. Why didn't they just put on the album? Across the Great Divide after instead of opening the album. But I think they work perfectly because as night fades out, it goes right into Across the Great Divide, which I think is brilliant. Yeah, I think um, the night they drove Old Dixie down suffers a little bit for this live. And this is the one of the ones where the most powerful parts of that song are the chorus when everything crescendos and mm-hmm. stuff and the and the harmonizing of their voices. And it gets kind of washed out. But that's just the nature of the live recording. It's not necessarily to say the quality of the song itself. That flugelhorn, though, all the horns, that's like they... There's, I, I mentioned it when we cover when we talked about it, um, but you could really only hear that that one. I thought it was a bugle. It, might, it is yeah. Snooky Young with that bugle call to begin it. Yeah, legend.
yeah. legend. So you can really well hear that at the very end of the song, the recorded version. This, they really mm-hmm. brought the horns in in an effective way. That yeah. Made it powerful. Yeah, totally. That, that beginning was... was I, this song is perfect. This song is great. I think that, like, not only is Helm incredible, I, the horns give me chills, like, all throughout. I think they do a great job. The tempo is slower. A lot of these songs mm-hmm. have been slowed yep, down. Yeah. I think that is kind of a detriment. Yeah. That's why I don't think this is better than the original. But I think Tucson, from New Orleans, black jazz musicians, it's like a rebuke of everything that the Lost Causers, like, make out of this song. I love it. I love the the spirit that the band is playing in, the people playing this music, and what they're giving it. go back to 1968 where we go to a really raucous and kind of great version of this wheels on fire that was from the december 29th show there's no horns on this so this is where we kind of cut the horns out and uh yeah robbie solo on this is out of this world i I love it i love the little touches and flourishes it's basically the same song yeah it is but um they do a a couple little things they're very dynamic and, and it seems like they're just rolling which does feel good in a live setting and then we go back to the band where we, uh, we have Rag Mama Rag, and we have, of course, The Weight. So we'll start with Rob, Rag Mama Rag. The crowd, I don't know how they didn't know that this was the song being played, but they let up a huge cheer when they started singing, but didn't know from the music that it was that Rag, Rag Mama Rag. It's very yeah. bizarre. It's like quiet as they're like doing the Rag Mama Rag intro. And then, Rag Mama. Oh, that's this song. <laughs> that's this song. Yeah. Yeah, they love this song. I didn't notice it in any of the other songs, but for Ragman Rag, they like brought in some strings and stuff, which was cool. Cause... Yeah, fiddle, yeah, tuba, Howard Johnson on the tuba, mandolin. Yeah. They swapped out. Um, I think Levon might have even popped out and started hitting that mandolin up. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much the same again, except for that the insane piano outro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Non-controversial thing that the two greatest songs on this are the weight and Night Day Trouble Dixie. Now what? Like, the weight is so good and like there's no horns on it and I, I think that's 
I think it's for the best. It's it's actually the most stripped down feeling song. It's uh, really beautiful. Like the song's already fantastic, but it's yeah. a really beautiful version of it. Um, in fact, the only electronic thing that I could pick up, I mean, the bass is an electric bass, but yeah, uh, there was no distortion with the exception of when Garth switches from the piano to the organ during the choruses. But beyond that, it's yeah. just uh, like a piano, bass, guitar, and drums, and it's, it's really good and effective. Let's sit on piano. trying to pretend that this is a real show and we're actually at the show which is the point of this exercise i would be like unfaithful servant really yeah really because then they followed up with life is a carnival which, which is great is great not only because tucson that's where the connection was made before because they did that for cahoots night four um alan tucson was brought in just for life is a carnival and so it's like shit we get to do the og the original alan tucson band um, you know, hangout session, if you will. So the transition between Unfaithful Servant to that, I think, is well done. But you know, that's that's where I started feeling like this is this is I'm being deceived right now. This is deceptive because you can start to hear there where where it frays. You're like, where did the crowd go? Where did every what well, happened? See, that's the thing. I thought the opposite. I thought this was the the best moment of oh, a live yeah. like example of a live show because what happened was. Everyone stepped off the stage at the end of Life is a Carnival. That's why the crowd just dies. Oh, well, at the end of Life is a Carnival. Yeah. I'm talking about from Unfaithful. Oh, so yeah. I don't remember that. So yeah. it wasn't oh, anything. Oh, because yeah. we're going to Genetic yeah. Method. Oh, right. yeah. No, no, no. That's great. Those are not actually on the same night either. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, anyways, let's, let's forget all I said all that. We're going to cut that out. So, Life is a Carnival uh, was on December 30th. Um, you really love this song. I do. I don't. I don't have the strong feelings. You know. <laughs> it's just so much fun. And you, so you love this this version. Yeah, I mean, it was it's that song's already really fun and, and vibrant has a lot of horns, so it's like, yay, yeah. that the same kind of energy, which is good. But, yeah, and before it was more just Garth kind of doing it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking here. I'm like, oh, it's all of Garth just being brought to life with all these people. I find that fun because I yeah. love I love Garth and I just want him to revel in the sounds that he gets to make by himself. And you know, you can hear it on the record, but it must be cool to just be like, well. They're just playing my song. Yeah. I mean, I, maybe people get over that, but I don't think I ever would. Uh, Rolling Stone, um, talking about talent when they were talking about this, um, said, quote, you have an amalgam of rock, country, blues, jazz, freeform, and classical influences in playing in addition to the folk rock, kid songs, campfire sing-along, Protestant church, and soul sounds in the group's material and vocal sounds. It's kind of a summation of American music, if you will, a cultural mix unequaled in contemporary music. Talking about how many people and their where they've been. They've all had these careers. The band has the Hawks with Bob Dylan. Mm. All of these jazz musicians reaching out across all of American history are just gathered on this one stage and you kind of bring it all together. And even I kind of get the kid songs. This is kind of a kid song. Yeah. Dark, dark kid song. <laughs> yeah. But a kid song. Yeah, the vibe of it for sure. Yeah. So after Carnival, we bring it down a little bit. Yeah, everybody goes quiet because the band's leaving the stage. But everybody goes nuts because Garth's coming back. Garth is back, baby. <laughs> and this this genetic method was on the 31st. So, like, imagine. Well, I mean, obviously they play the New Year's song. What is it called? Old Lang Syne. Old Lang Syne, yeah. Why can't they name that something better? Like, New Year's Eve song. That would be great. 
Uh, it is a crazy experience to listen to. I don't know how often I can do it. The, did you hear the dude at around four minutes who started, he got off two claps. He, he thought it was done. All right, we're okay. There was definitely like a, a full applause break two minutes in, but I guess I didn't hear the. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they definitely did once it started kind of getting more meaty, mm-hmm. and then of course when he did, you know, all the thing, all links, sign, all links, sign. That was great. Everyone went nuts. And, it was and there's like noisemakers and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Which and then, cool. of course, uh, we transitioned right into chest fever. Uh, we also tore a hole through time because that happened on the 31st of December. And then we seamlessly moved into chest fever, which was on December 28th. But before we get there, it's worth noting genetic method a little bit. So in Rolling Stone, in that review from before, Ralph Gleason, who was the writer, said, quote, he never blatantly quotes from his sources, but rather builds improvisation on quotes, hinting at them and ringing changes in your ears that haunt you. He has mastered the use of dissonance and the unexpected note in a line in something of the matter of of Thelonious Monk. I break up laughing at what Garth does, and then I am totally frustrated trying to sort out the rearrangement of music he presents in a kaleidoscopic fashion. The only thing I can compare it to is Dylan's harmonica solos at concerts when he totally gets carried away. Garth runs through nursery rhymes, Celtic reels, late-night show organ music, old hymns, and ancient popular melodies, and then gives us all Lang Syne for a Happy New Year's good measure, slipping swiftly into chest fever. Incredible. This version of chest, me- chest fever is one minute shorter than the actual version from the 31st, because they did slip right into it. So, uh, obviously, the song is played right before that. How did you... Did you like Chess Fever? Was that? Oh hell yeah! Okay. Yeah, I mean, I love the song on the, the the record, and I I loved it when they played it live too. That's just that opening line I can't get over. I told you it's very much the spirit in the sky, just like down 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 down. Just feels so good when you get into it, and how how big and bold the bass feels throughout this whole show. It's just like ah, oh, yeah, that's what you want. You want yeah. that Chess Fever. Give it to me. That's yeah. right. Uh, I think it's incredible. Uh, I would highly recommend though going back if you are curious, listening to the two. Because I think there's like, Helm just gives it like this crazy amount of aggression from the 31st, which like almost makes sense if you're going to do a New Year's Eve show. This was not billed as a New Year's Eve show, you know? Mm-hmm. So I get it. They can take the night off from me being mad. But <laughs> but like, I just wish it was one show. And you can listen to it go into Chess Fever. I don't think it's as good as the one that's on Rock of Ages because it's a minute too long. But they're, they just seem to be like, getting drunk on the you know like that vibe of like we're kind of wiling out we're getting closer to midnight and we're just letting things go 
And the fact that they can play the same song over multiple nights and one version is five minutes and the other is 6.30, how does that even work? Yeah. Like the fact that they can do it on the fly is incredible to me. And that's why listening to those four back to back is interesting because they're going to play the same song twice. Sure, but it's going to be a different version. And then, of course, naturally, we end with not a band song. I don't want to okay, hang out my rock and roll shoes. Like, this is not them. And they also... Played that on December 29th, so it wasn't even the end of the entire... What a weak thing to end the fucking set on. And, like, this should have been on Moondog Daydream and died there. Like, that, there was no reason for this to happen. Yeah, this was a B-side to Chuck Willis, uh, his final single, What Am I Living For? It sold over a million copies. He died in 1958. He was born in 1926. Yeah, I see this as, like, a prelude to Moondog Matinee, which did come out the year after okay. Rock of Ages, so... Uh, the horns and the piano, I think, are, are insane. Helms uh, is perfect. Uh, Robbie, his guitar is great. I, I, honestly, this is better. This is better than Moondog Matinee. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah, because the, the musicianship and, like, sure it is. But it's like, why would you end with this? Well, they didn't. This was recorded on December 29th. So, I know, but, but like, why, why would you end, end the, the album with Why this? would you end the album with that? I think that's a great question. And I think we should call up Garth and just be like, yo, what are you thinking? Why? I mean, he probably didn't sequence this. Who put this together? Okay. Well, definitely Capital. Yeah. Yeah, Columbia, whoever this is on. Uh, that final show, by the way, um, ends with, after Genetic Method, Chest Fever, we go into Rag Mama Rag. Oh, no, they do. I don't want to hang up my rock and roll shoes. But then, old Bobby D comes out. Hey, how's it going, everybody? They play Down in the Flood. Why not paint my masterpiece? Don't you tell Henry? We're going to listen to all of these. And finished the year 1971 with Like a Rolling Stone. Because of course you do. So, and they and they were about to go, this is from 1971, but they go on tour together in 74 for Before the Flood. So we'll talk about that too later on. But Kelly, that's it. That's Rock of Ages. That's night five. The band is like, see you later. Good night. Goodbye. Final thoughts. This is, I mean, if you're going to pick a night, this is the night to go because you get all the hits, friend. I know. That's why I sold out <laughs> in minutes. So if you were going to go to a night, because we're sold out, we can't go here. Which one would you choose? Yeah, I don't know. I really didn't think about this. And it's so hard because, okay, so the first night, music from Big Pink, which I liked a lot. Um, but then it was just like a mishmash of crap. Moved to Japan? After the, yeah, yeah, garbage. But so, some of them were pretty earnest. I mean, those were kind of the bad ones from Jericho and High on the Hog. But we only had like four of those. Most of them were from Jubilation, which was originals. But it was kind of, they're just kind of weak, but they're not like necessarily bad. I don't know. Songs. I didn't like them. It was all Randy Newman-y. And, they uh, were. Yeah. Yes. Not, not the band. Not good for me. They would just leave on. And, and then friends. and then you have the band, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then Islands, right? I, Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> but never forget that Islands has... Carpenter. Oh, true, 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 true. I mean, it must be Christmas, yeah. So that alone is a reason to maybe go and also put Pony Rouge. Right, yeah. So I think you could make the case that you're like, I'll just get sort of drunk while they're playing Islands. Like, you said it on the podcast. You said, okay, either if they play Islands last, you leave early. Right. Or, or you, you come, come late. Yeah. And you come late or you just get, get wasted. Blasted, yeah. Super blasted. And then sing 
the night they drove old Dixie down with the, with the crowd, you know, like, yeah, I, you just have a really nice catharsis with the band in a way that, cause especially cause you end, if they don't play any encores or anything, they're, they're closing with King Harvest. True. It's a great end of the night. Goodbye. See you later. I don't think any of the other nights get to that. High. And Chess Fever's on that one too. Chess Fever is on music from is Big Pink. Music from Big mm. Pink. Right. So you get a great Big Pink stuff. That's all fantastic. And you and you end with I Shall Be Released, which some people I would say is as cathartic. I mean, it's not their song, it's Bob Dylan's song. But I mean, imagine singing that with a whole group of people, especially if you're super drunk. Ooh, that would be fun. Yeah, I don't know. And then Night Three is a I don't even remember Night Three because I hated uh, stage it. Stage fright and uh, Northern Lights, Southern Cross. Yeah, no, get out of here. I don't need any of that. Pity and Driftwood. <laughs> that's, that's why I would honestly go, which is so basic, so basic to yeah. like, to have basically five or six songs that are actually good. Yeah, and then, then if Moondog Daydream wasn't involved, I, I, the you would go to Night 4 would, would be fine. I think that Night 4 would actually be probably more, that would be higher for you. Because you could get through the Moondog matinee. It's not as bad as Islands, and it's not as bad as True. the post And if they did, song. they treated it like this, where they had uh, great musicians playing yeah. all those horn pieces and doing yeah. some different stuff. Well, in my head, that's that would happen. All of these would be the band at their peak. This okay. is not the band of the moment. So you would be getting stuff like this. Yeah. But it's hard to say that you don't want to hear the weight and Old Dixie and Up on Cripple Creek and all that stuff. It's, so it's hard to not go to night two. It's really hard not to. It's really hard not to go yeah. to night two. So I don't I, know, man. I think night two would be your biggest one. And again, Island's not great, but if they were going to like change it up, that could that would be an interesting album to have them change things for. Yeah. And I would be into it. You know, okay. Forbidden Fruit, stuff like that. They're not good songs, but honestly, you don't listen to them that often that they might be okay to kind of like, oh. Yeah, and again, the, the worst parts of Islands are is all that wonky sit stuff. I have an 86-channel mixer. I'm going to play all 86 channels. So if you're doing it live yeah. and you can't and be like, a... Hey, Garth, sorry. Taking away those 86, <laughs> yeah. you have three. Yeah. I hear Marvel got really hands-on this time. They really pinned in Joss Whedon creatively. So how could that go wrong? Okay, see ya. Deal with so it. So maybe, yeah, maybe Night 2 for that reason because they really, if they were doing it the way that they did Rock of Ages, mm-hmm. I think Islands would have benefited a lot. It really could have because yeah. that's a pretty horn-heavy album and you get some good, all the horns up there, not just, uh, you know, John Simon and, and everybody else contributing to that album, you know, on, on the mix, but get it live? Yeah. I think Night 2 is your is your best bet. That yeah. would definitely be the next one selling out. I think Cahoots, Moondog would be the next. Least, well, really? no, I think it would be next based on consistency yeah. uh, and that's where you know our, our entire premise was the Alkaline Trio uh, the band doing this taking their, their furthest record with their, their latest record and mashing them together and once you get to that middle see if I was going to pick a night it goes back to I don't really want to listen to their new album but I, I revere their first album it's kind of like the band so that's hard but is the middle the best place to be because right. you're getting the best of all worlds I don't think you get the best music but I think you get a consistency that would be a good show on a whole instead of a good end, right. you know, having the strong end. Uh, and then with Alkaline Trio, it would be, you know, that very sweet spot. And you might opt for that if you really want that. So I think that's the dilemma you're in if you're doing a system like this. And the band is up and down, so it's tough. Yeah. But I think I would choose, you can't not go to the band. So night, night two is definitely it. I think night four would be my next because of consistency. And then I would choose night three and then night one. Sorry, music from one Big Pink. One I can't. <laughs> I can't. Uh, one, one is tough. That's a toughie. Um, and obviously, I would want to. I would sneak into Rock of Ages because that's where it's where it's at. I'm on a 
Dracula, before we end it all, I thought it would be interesting to talk about our favorite songs and just view it as a lens of how I got into the band. I was into Bob Dylan, knew about this guy. He was really cool. Knew about the Hawks, was starting to get into the music. And then I learned about the band. Never heard of the band. And I thought it was audacious to be called the band. Right? What the fuck? I mean, how was there not already a the, the band? band? And so I, I went out to, um, you know, this probably not the store. I probably went out to you know, a local bookstore or wherever. And I bought the 2000 Greatest Hits record. Um, it's the one where they're all sitting together on a small bench and everyone's sort of leaning off. I think that it's Danko who's falling off. And if I'm not mistaken, probably Manuel. That's dark. Um, but I'm just going to go through the Greatest Hits. So there's 18 songs on here. They're kind of in chronological order. Give me a yay or nay, if if you would. Because you have you, some of your favorites, right? You know some of your favorites? Yes. Okay, so this one starts off with the weight, obviously. Great start. Number two, Tears of Rage. Remember Tears of Rage? Yeah, from the Big the Pink. Yeah. That, which I think opens Big Pink as well. Oh, yeah, that's like where you first really hear Manuel open up, and mm-hmm. it's like, whoa. Tears of Rage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Chest Fever, right after that. Great. I mean, this is, this is probably one of the greatest, greatest hits ever. I Shall Be Released after yeah, that. Great. Which, Up on Cripple Creek. Great. Night They Drove Old Dixie Down. Great. Rag My Rag. Great. King Harvest Is Surely Come. Great. The Shape I'm In. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, stage Fright. Nah, I don't, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> no. Time to Kill. No. Time to Kill. Yeah. Cat Skills. Okay. Uh, Life is a Carnival. Yes. That on there. When I Paint My Masterpiece. Yeah. Ain't Got No Home. The only Moondog matinee one. That's the first one. The frog. Yeah. Frog no, man. skip it. I'll skip it. No. Take that off. No. It makes no difference. Don't even know what it is. Get nope, it off nope, there. Nope. Ophelia. On. For yeah, sure. It's good. Katie and Driftwood. I'm not even going <laughs> to. Don't have uh, no choice. And uh, the Popoti Rouge. It's like a Popoti Rouge. Okay. So we're taking we're taking off. And this is how I would too. Makes no difference. Ain't got no home. Yeah. I would keep on stage fright and time. It's cheap I'm in. Those are untouchable. But what about... Something that we we threw out before, and you can add to this if you remember them. Jawbone. I like Jawbone. Fantastic. Don't know why it's on there. Even across the Great Divide, right after Night They Drove mm-hmm. Old Dixie Down. Come on. That's better than fucking Ain't Got No Home. Uh, when You Awake, which follows um, Night They Drove Old Dixie Down on the actual album. Oh, when yeah. That was like awake, the, the fantasy. will yeah. remember everything. Yeah. Uh, just Another Whistle Stop well, would have been a good yeah. like rocker. Oh, yeah. Love is Another yeah. whistles, and then W.S. Walcott Medicine Show. I think is another classic. These are not on there. Not on here. So Ooh. these are not on. So we can take off some of these to put them on. Ring your bell. We loved as well. Rag and bones. Sure, but they're okay. Uh, even mystery train would have. Yeah. Mystery train would have been better than fucking ain't got no. Home. Yeah, if you're gonna pick one sure. from the covers album. And naturally, what the f- where the fuck is Christmas supposed to be tonight? Like, <laughs> who doesn't want <laughs> the greatest? Band lyric ever. Son of a carpenter. Stuck in your head. It does. It really does. So, yeah, can you think of any others right off the bat? That no, because I mean, you you mentioned by name the only ones that I remember by yeah, name. Yeah, the, and they so. are, and I and I put special emphasis on them because when you listen to this, if this is your first interaction with the band, I highly recommend it because you're going to fall in love with them. You're going to fall in love. I think what's hard is that when you try to start listening to the albums, you're going to start to see like, oh, the way Tears of Rage. Oh, music from Big Pink is great. Oh, the band is great slowly it's just gonna start to get worse that's the hard part is to try to keep it all in perspective and keep going but yeah but i think for a taut one disker that's a strong ass greatest hits uh some of these songs are classics that 
will never be conquered. But there's definitely still in the band a lot of songs that you can interplay with a bunch of others. All right, Kelly. We're done. It's over. Oh, my God. Band month is done. All five nights are out of the way. Final thoughts. Where would you tell somebody to start with the band? Obviously, Beyond the Greatest Hits. But, like, where would you tell somebody, oh, you should check out the band. What do you give them? I mean, maybe Rock of Ages, right? But I guess that's kind of cheating, too. A little bit. But it's still, will they like horns? Will they like the vibe? Will they appreciate what, you know? I think, I mean, you got to go with their first two records. Maybe specifically just for me, music from Big Pink, because it's so experimental. There's a little bit of something for everybody. It still Um, feels fresh today. Yeah, because they're doing so much cutting edge shit. Mm -hmm. Like, they really established a sound. And that made everything click for me. Obviously, it was the first thing we listened to. But it also was like, oh, they're creating genres. They're Mm -hmm. doing something no one else did. And once I realized that, like, when I kept, uh, when this was happening in my head, it just really, I don't know. So I think that that's really indicative of their potential. Um, potential is great. And how willing they are yeah. to try new stuff. And I, I, the band, the album is, is good, but it's, it's more, um, polished and they have more of an idea of what they did. Like I said, I think they really yeah. focused on songwriting for that album where they were more playing around in the first one. So, I think that's why I like that a little bit better. Well, yeah, it's definitely like a better album, but I don't. But I think if I was like, "Hey, you should check out the band, listen to this one," I guess no, you really. For me, being the person I am, I would want to listen to the Big Pink right first. But, but the band is never. A band if you're trying to get some fans, then you go. I think with the band. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't think people would fight in the street over those two. You get some motherfucker coming up in here saying "Islands" is better. Like, <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna fight. Peak the band. Yeah. <laughs> They just got better and better. <laughs> God. Christ. Uh, yeah, my final thoughts, I mean, I'll, I'll say it again. Give me a bracket of the most talented bands out there. Take a, It's hard because you want to take away the lead singers in a way, and that might be hard for, like, the Beatles to do. Because what we talk about when we think about music and bands, they're often so interchangeable and connected. And the Beatles are a great example of that. If you gave me a bracket and the Beatles were on it, I would choose the Beatles every day because they're going to deliver you not only great musicianship, but top-notch words and lyrics and themes and ideas. The band, I think, delivers that as well. Like, they're a Final Four for me. In all of music history, I, 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 putting money on the band is not a bad bet. They're a Final Four of all time for me. But where they falter is with ego and with what they, they, they just didn't stick to what really made them great. And I don't know if it's just because of Robbie. I don't know if it was because of Levon. I don't know if it was because of the drugs and the alcohol and just living that sort of life. I think it was probably a combination of all of it. So it's tough. But I still think that Garth Hudson is incredible. And when you have a weapon like that, it might sound dated at times and weird listening to it in 2018, but he's still a force. And if you can get into the mindset, it's like, holy shit, how does this person exist? And then they have all of the rest of the weapons be just as powerful it's nuts. Well, maybe that would be something to take into consideration of picking the album you would give to somebody because I think where mm. the band consistently falls short is lyrics because yeah. they, with the exception of the obvious, like Old Dixie things, a couple. Part where the band is a better album. Yeah, right. That's what I was going to say. So if you're really trying to hook somebody with lyrics, yeah. you're going to have to go for the band because so much of Big Pink is nonsensical. And even going forward, they just don't, they're not telling really clear story a lot of the time they don't have a lot to say particularly no. with their lyrics so i think that's that's their biggest negative but musically 
They're yeah, they're fantastic. They're fantastic. Yeah. So that's that's kind of my final take. I think that they're an essential band to know. And if we're doing a Bob Dylan podcast, you can't not know the band. So it's important for us to do something like this. And we're going to keep getting more stuff. I'm sure the band has a lot of stuff sort of stashed away. We just got a remix and a remaster of, of Music for Big Pink, which just celebrated its 50th anniversary this year. So we're going to be doing that a lot. And we're also going to cover the band a lot more. We listened to them on episode five with Planet Waves. Didn't even know who the band were. I'm probably sure if we go back and listen, I'm sure I ask you, do you know who the band is? And you're like, no, nah, I don't know who the fuck is the band. And yeah. we don't really talk about it because that wasn't the point of episode five of a podcast. But now it's like, <laughs> you got to know. So we're going to do basement tapes. We're going to do Before the Flood 66 tour, which I think gets lost in the weeds. Like, that's the band, too. Like, they fucking bring it. Uh, and even Planet Waves. Like, it'll be nice to revisit some of those songs down the road because that's them as well. And obviously all the basement tapes. So I think we've laid a foundation. And if you haven't listened to the band, hopefully all the little musical cues and stuff have made you want to go listen. And they're on Spotify, of course, and you can listen to everything. So, Kelly, band month is over. I am relieved. So we'll see you next year for, uh, who knows? Who knows? If you've got some ideas about who we should do a special fun uh, month on, let us know. SOTWpod.com. You can email us, SOTWpod at gmail.com. But probably easiest to just tweet us at SOTWpod or Facebook us at SOTWpod. Well, we're kicking around Dave Van Rock. Yeah. I challenge anyone listening to suggest to us a lady who isn't Joni Mitchell. Well, it's Joe Baez, of course. That, oh, that's the one I meant, not Joni Mitchell. Well, Joni's another good one, too. Yeah. Um, Patty Smith would be an interesting one as well. Because, yeah, let's do Patty Smith. Because that's kind of... But she didn't go on The Rolling Thunder, but he had a lot of... You know, he admired her, wanted her to go on. Oh, wow. So... Yeah, I think there's a lot of... I think that would be wise. Yeah. Definitely definitely someone... Yeah, someone who's not joined by us because it's too obvious and it would be a lot of Bob Dylan songs and it's just like, I don't necessarily... Well, the Dave Van Ronk would bring a lot of that too. I know. So, anyway, yes. We're having an existential crisis. Please save Help us. us. <laughs> Please save us. Uh, otherwise, I would say see you next year, but truly, we've still got a little bit left in 2018. So, by the time you're listening to this, season two might be a wrap. Season two might be coming to an end. We hope that you've enjoyed this um, five night extravaganza hope you're enjoying sign on the window let us know what we can do better and if you're joining us in future time then get ready for season three 2019 crazy what the fuck time is this, like <laughs> escaping from underneath us yes as long as you guys are doing okay we will see you later in time <laughs> yeah some other time goodbye bye now is the time for all good men to get together with one another Find out their problems and iron out their quarrels and try to live as brothers and try to find peace within without stepping on one another and do respect of the women of the world just remember we all had mothers make this land a better land in the world in which we live and help each man be a better man with the kindness that you give and i know we can make it Right.